0: All right, welcome back to Carrick the podcast from Kerasoft, the trusted government IT solutions provider. Subscribe to get the latest technology updates in the public sector. I'm Kevin Howard, your host from the Alassian team at Kerasoft. And on behalf of Alassian and Kerasoft, we would like to welcome you to today's podcast focused on enterprise service management. Mike Downard is the president of Silicon Mountain Technologies, will share his expertise on the subject. Silicon Mountain is a management consulting firm based in Lakewood, Colorado, and has helped their clients explore problems, create solutions, and disrupt the status quo for nearly two decades using Alassian products. Mike joined Silicon Mountain in 2015 as a senior project manager before becoming director of operations in 2017 and then president in 2021. Mike, thank you for taking some time out of your day. It's been a while. Excited to talk to you about Alassian's gear Service Management.
1: Yeah, good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, excited to be here.
0: No problem at all. So to jump right in, I know IT service management or ITSM refers to the processes and the activities involved in end-to-end delivery of IT services. And with government's IT team's constant exposure to new and old technology, innovation tends to develop organically. Today, we're going to be talking about enterprise service management and innovative approach that applies ITSM methodologies to non-technical workflows like HR teams, procurement teams, legal and more. Mike, first question, it would be what is Silicon Mountain's approach to ITSM? What are some of those components do you think that are relevant to non-technical teams? And what benefits do you think ITSM could deliver?
1: Sure, a three part question, it's always fun. Um, so let's let's start with our approach is generally that we do a quick escalation process, right? Uh, give as much information and authority to the front line folks as we can, but we wanna make sure that we get the information and the questions to the people that need or have the capability to solve those problems as quickly as possible. We subscribe more to, uh, if people are familiar with uh, ITIL, uh, the V4 more than the V3, it's more flexible. It's more foundational. Here's here's some methodologies, or here's some processes you can use, rather than prescriptive. Which I feel like V V three was a little more prescriptive in that process. We also want to make sure that we take some of this information. You know, IT folks or IT service folks tend to be at the bottom of the food chain and, and take some uh, pretty hard swings uh, from folks in the knowledge work or people who who need their services. We think that. Because of that experience, the program and the the systems around it have have grown and developed and matured in a specific way that makes that process a lot more easy to adopt uh, within other parts of the organization, your back office, uh, within the rest of your enterprise. Uh, We can take some of those lessons learned about, hey, let's build workflows. Let's not make it too hard for our people. Let's make sure that we have efficient and effective workflows in the process And that we then can kind of have all this information in one place so that we can pull it up uh, so that senior leaders can see how things are performing, you know, augment staff as necessary and anything like that.
0: Awesome. Thank you for that, Mike. Um, I think it was very helpful explaining kind of the escalation process, um, how it is valuable to multiple teams or streamlining the workflow for the entire environment. Um, Moving into kind of prior implementing or, or adapting one of those enterprise service management solutions, how to, uh, How would you say government teams collaborate prior to implementing this? What would work? What doesn't work? Um, and how are legacy tools and methods holding agencies back?
1: It's a great question. There's, there's an entire generation of folks that grew up on email. A lot of folks that have gray hairs at this point, um, you know, silver foxes, if you will. They're all, you know, very familiar with interchanging their information through email. Uh, they build their PDFs, they build their information and their workflows and their processes on paper uh, or in Excel, or maybe even an access if, if they are, are pretty fancy. Um, the problem with that is, is there's not a lot of transparency or scalability in those solutions. So as you try to service something at the scale of the government, those tools are available to them, uh, but it doesn't scale very well. You, you, you end up having a lot of uh, starts and stops, bottlenecks, issues that arise. There's not a ton of transparency to leadership and how things are performing. Um, getting data out of those systems is unreliable. And sometimes versioning uh, of historical data can be a, a challenge. Um, so what we hope to do is bring in uh, some new systems, some new approaches to that, like uh, Atlassian's uh, geoservice management tool is a great example of, hey, we can, we can have a, You agents that are servicing this process, which is very similar to, you know, what your DAG, your CAG, your your PA teams are doing in the government. But you're pulling all this information across a system that people are familiar with. Hopefully we at our team try to make this as easy as possible by giving people more of giving them the, the fish rather than teaching them to fish on building out the system. Uh, because we want to make it as simple as possible to just manage the workflow that works for them. Value that is, it makes it consistent. It adds a layer of transparency. Now you can actually see where things start and stop. Uh, you can see when things fall behind, and you can actually do something about it. It's, I don't always think of the, the accountability or transparency as a problem. I think it's an opportunity for leaders to step in, uh, remove some barriers, or, or add some resources as necessary.
0: Awesome points there, Mike. Thank you for that kind of exploring alternative solutions to email and more collaboration tools that can can help teams grow. I wanted to dive into a little bit more about SMT. Silicon Mountain's motto is explore, create, and disrupt. So for that three-step process is core to what we're talking about today, Alassian's enterprise management platform, Jira Service Management, which was developed by exploring bottlenecks caused by poor communication department silos, lack of visibility, and workflow inefficiencies. With some of those pain points in mind, Alassie created a solution that disrupted the status quo with a collaborative, consistent, transparent, and automated set of services. With that said, what is the first step teams are looking to embrace a new enterprise service management software like GR Service Management? Where would they get started? What are some of the things that they need in line to go to upper management to propose this?
1: So I, I think there's a couple of things to that, right? So there's a professor out of Georgetown named Cal Newborn. He writes a bunch of theory around deep work and, and life without email. And I think his books are a great example of, hey, we've, we built email as an internal almost mistake. We built it as a communication method between systems. It became a communication method between companies. Over time, we've kind of, really over-leverage that tool in a way that it, it's not really intended to be built. It was, it was almost a server-to-server sort of conversation for notes, and now it's a business solution system. I think the first step, and it's the same in any sort of change of this sort of scale, is you have to make sure that you have the right environment for change and you have the right leadership and teams for change. You don't need everybody on board, but you need to have at least a small coalition of folks And a strong leader who are are willing to pull in a different direction than the traditional or the legacy email solution or Excel solution that they might be using today. And you have to be willing to look at this and say, what are the benefits that I can actually gain from this? I can actually tell my boss, hey, I'm busy every day, but they don't believe me. Well, now I can actually show them uh, with metrics, with numbers, with with data, uh, how hard my job might be or how hard my team's job might be. Or how we're under-resourced and and setting expectations for external customers that, hey, we're three weeks behind, is a lot easier when you can actually show them the work or show them that your cadence, your velocity, for lack of a better term, in what you're doing. I think the best place, because we're talking about enterprise service, a lot of these people have very difficult jobs. They're in administrative or back office roles. They're overwhelmed by just the sheer volume of work that that can come in from anything from processing systems access forms, security forms, uh, benefits, you know, any variety of systems that might exist. Where we want to start with them is, is engaging as a professional services company, because what Atlassian has built here is the framework and the very flexible solution to the problem. Um, but asking somebody who's a novice in the tool to go in and just configure it on their own based off the workflow that they might have, I think is a little unfair uh, because that's a lot for them to chew off. They don't—they are unfamiliar with the the system. They're unfamiliar with uh, digitizing a workflow. They're unfamiliar with building out new fields and what that means and, and potential like architectural issues that they could run into. So what we would really encourage them to do is engage somebody who really understands the capability and the potential of these tools to not show them a blank page, but rather show them what's in the realm of possibility, uh, starting by exploring what the current process is, adding steps, removing steps to make it as effective as possible, and then making it consistent, transparent, and making sure that folks have the ability to see where their status is and not overburdening the cost of things. So let's build this for the people who actually are going to use it. Back to those gray hair folks. Some of them we're not going to convert. So let's not assume that, you know, in 06 and 07, uh, an SESR is going to jump into the system and manage all of their approvals. Let's make sure that we build those steps around what's realistic to be implemented within their environment.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Mike. I think those are some great first steps. And you kind of narrowed it down to... Uh a three pronged approach of the people, the process, and the system. When looking at that or when looking at at somebody new that's exploring an ESM solution, what would you say on the opposite side? What are some of those common objections um, against transitioning from the legacy workflows to a new platform?
1: I have a great anecdote for this. actually. Um we work in the historically in the medical device industry, and there's something called a uh, sterile processing center, and in every hospital. And we walked in and and as part of our discovery, our part of our, uh, explore process, we talked to this expert in restocking their trauma kits and restocking their, uh, whatever medical device kits that they might have. And he had five, six, you know, catalogs of, of equipment from various vendors. And he had his pencil out and he was sharpening it And he knew exactly where everything went and exactly what page to go find things. Well, if it's not obvious, that's not a very scalable solution. That's not a transitionable solution. That's not even likely a trainable solution. That's a a course of 10 to 15 years of experience. So what we want to do is build a more consistent workflow and automate some of that and build in a digital component to that where you really don't need an expert. You don't need somebody to have worked this job for 10 years in order to do it but that we can build for them a solution that starts with very straightforward steps as a request that looks pretty for everybody and works through from a people standpoint first, what's the most important thing, who's involved, how we get there, and then build the processes around those people and then get to the the system implementation from there.
0: Okay, understood. I think those are some great ways to overcome some of those objections, Going into my next point, let's talk a little bit about how ESM would be best used in an agency. When would an agency choose to opt for ESM, and when would you not?
1: So I think if you already have a solution within the tools that you use, I think that's okay, right? I don't think you necessarily need to leverage this as long as you can get the data out. If I were a senior leader within the government, and I'm a senior leader within private industry, so it's it's I need to be able to consume and understand how my teams are performing at any given point. For me to do that, I need to have the ability to consolidate the data and ability to track and and trust the data. Otherwise, it's garbage in, garbage out, or there's just no way to actually extract that information. So from an end user perspective or uh, an administrator and a back office employee who's doing all this great work. The value is you don't get annoyed by your senior leader who's pu- pushing you for all this information that says, hey, I, I don't really see how you're that busy or gives you gives you flack at any given point, or or maybe they just don't understand the value of the work that you do or how, how hard and how long it might actually take. Well, by adding a couple of steps, uh, and this is adding a couple of steps in some cases, you're actually removing a lot of barriers to, to that level of success, to that uh, transparency, to that ability for you to ad- self-advocate that you can't get, really get out of email, that you can't really get out of Excel. So if you already have that solution in a tool, great. And you can extract that and, and you can combine that with other tools, great. In most cases, that doesn't exist because this, the tool or the product that was built wasn't really built for the workflow part portion of it. It was built for a very specific execution point of a tool or maybe it was just built for enrolling people in, in benefits and it doesn't really have a communication or a status that's tied to that. It just does a thing. Well. Building in a workflow to that gives everybody a a concept and a measurable point of how things are performing. You can start to prioritize work and you can start transparently showing people exactly what is happening within your organization without going through a ton of effort to then rebuild all this information or build it from scratch in PowerPoint and present how far behind you think you are. You, You actually have that data available to you.
0: Interesting. I think those are some valid points. To kind of piggyback on that when you're exploring these with potential clients or, or current customers that you're working with, can you speak to kind of some of the short-term or long-term impacts of implementing a software like Geoservice Service Management for ESM? What is some of the value up front and down the road as well?
1: Yeah, so I think up front, the, the value is you're you're really documenting your process and you're putting it to test. The great thing about your service management and Atlassian tools in general is the amount of flexibility they offer you. Now, it's a little intimidating, again, for that end user, but that's why you bring in a professional services team to help you build it out the first time, teach you how to make changes on your own, and get the heck out of there. So what we would want to do is start by building that first version so that they can see it, and then you can start to measure, okay, short-term measure, how am I performing can use things like velocity or other common tools like that to see how you're performing against your volume. You might actually even see your volume for the first time that you've never seen before, estimate based off of your inbox or your group inbox that might exist. And you're like, oh, I've got 10,000 requests, and I'm just going to work one by one through those. Well, now I can actually see them, and I can offer status back to those end users. Okay, that's a big one. I've got status that my end users can actually see because there's visibility as an end user. When I make a request, I can see all of my requests because of the way that the security is built out, right? I don't see everybody else's requests. That's for the agent, the person who's executing the work to see. But I can see where mine is and I can have some transparency into what's happening and what status and workflow my data is in. From a long-term standpoint, I can start converting this information into hireable actions. I can start converting this into trainable actions. I can start converting this into roadblock uh, removal and process improvements that I can't do without a documented process. And I can't do without some sort of baseline to compare things against. So I think the power from a a short term is great. Now I know what I have from a long term. What am I going to do about my my problems and my challenges that my team faces?
0: Understood. Uh, I think that shows kind of the value behind implementing JSM both short term and long term. Once again, I wanted to thank you Mike for taking some time out of your day to speak with me. Was there anything else that you would like the audience to know about of these platforms?
1: Yeah, I just think it's really important because these tools were originally built for engineers to just bring in a team to, to help make that first step a little bit easier. You know, Silicon Mountain does it, lots of other teams do a really good job with this, but they remove that first barrier if I'm uh, you know, a product that solves my problem has been thrown on my desk. Well, now I have to go and learn that product before I even start doing the work. And I'm gonna meet blockers and resistance to that as a process. Well, you know, some people who are experts and have invested their time in this process can really offer a ton of value to getting you started, training you to do it yourself so that you're not really just fighting uphill. There's great documentation, but doing it the first time is intimidating. So I think bringing in somebody who knows what they're doing Will get you a lot further and help with that change process that you're going to face. Help with the blockers of folks who just aren't going to adopt it by building out creative solutions and building out creative workflows to make sure we're still getting the value of tracking, without overreaching and trying to uh, undo what a senior member might be unwilling to participate in, and still getting that again end value of the of the measurable work, the removal of blockers.
0: Awesome. So yes, thanks again for taking some time out. I wanted to thank everyone out there for listening and thank you to our guest, Mike Downard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe to Caracast and be sure to listen to our other discussions as well. If you like more information of how Carasoft or Atlassian can assist your organizational digital transformation, please visit www.carasoft.com slash Atlassian or email us at alassian at Thanks again for listening and have a great day.